what is generative AI? This week, Russ Kohn from iDiverse has joined us to discuss generative AI and deepfakes and the threat that this imposes on businesses and consumers for the digital identities. Stay tuned to find out more. Let's talk about the digital identity, the podcast connecting identity and business. I am your host, Oscar Santolaya. Thank you for joining a new episode of Let's Talk About Digital Identity, Artificial Intelligence, and particularly Generative Artificial Intelligence is a topic that has been, I believe, most of us radars in the last 12 months, particularly, and there are amazing things going on. But also we know that the bad guys are also using those tools. And one of those is related to deep fakes that are being used to cheat the identity verification system that having existing until now. So to see how we are going to solve those problems in identity verification, these newer problems, we have a special guest today who is Russ Kohn. He is the go-to market for IDverse, a company which provides online identification technology for businesses in the digital economy. Russ has spent more than 20 years scaling businesses of all sizes by delivering successful growth strategies across the UK, EMEA, and US markets within fast-paced and high-growth online media, fraud, identity, SaaS, e-commerce, and data-driven technology solutions. His strong tech knowledge is coupled with deep operational and commercial experience, building teams with SaaS, advertising, and marketing technology-driven revenue models. Hello, Ross. Hello, Oscar. How are you? Very good. Happy to have you here. Thank you. Very glad to be here. Fantastic. Great to have you here and we'll talk about the deep fakes and how the newest practices in identity verification are solving these problems. So let's talk about legal identity, Ross. So first of all, I would like to hear a bit more about yourself, your story. Tell us about yourself and your journey to the world of identity. Absolutely. I am fairly new to identity. I've only really started in the industry probably just over three years ago. I was the first international employee of OCR Labs. We recently rebranded to IDverse, but uh, I joined about three years ago. We've uh, since then built the international team to over half the company and we continue to grow in EMEA in the U.S., as a background, I'm a marketer, commercial leader, investor. I've spent uh, probably over 20 years in technology-driven companies of all sizes. And I was lucky enough to join Google very early on. And there were 20 people in the UK and 600 people around the world. And I grew up with them a little bit. And uh, I left, there were 65,000 people. So I got a fairly good experience there at scanning companies and have invested and advised companies since then. I'm now, as I said, at IDverse, and I'm focused on the go-to-market, so helping them globally to take our products and execute them in the best possible areas and help our customers with the most cutting-edge technology to drive identity verification, make it effortless, obviously through the use of our sophisticated technologies and techniques, including generative AI. I'm excited about the opportunity for identity verification as the need for verified, trusted identities has grown exponentially globally, really, since the pandemic. And with digital growing at such a phenomenal rate as well, we're now living in a mobile-first world, and 
we need the right kind of identity verification to support that growth. Indeed. So let's go to some basics for someone who has heard about that term, generative AI, and still is not so clear what it is particularly. Could you tell us what is that? What is generative AI? Yeah, sure. I think, you know, everybody is talking about ChatGPT and BARD and it's brought these techniques, the AI techniques to the public and we can't get enough of them. But everyone is using ChatGPT and BARD, et cetera, to learn more, do their jobs better, find new facts. It's, it's pretty addictive and very, very useful, but still at the fairly early stage. So generative AI, short for generative artificial intelligence, refers to a class of artificial intelligence systems and techniques that focus on generating new content or data rather than simply recognizing patterns or making decisions based on existing data. Now, these systems are designed to create original content that resembles human-created data, such as images, music, text, videos, and more. I use Spotify extensively. I'm sure most people do. And, you know, I've got an AI assistant on there now a couple months ago that's going through my music catalog and my background and choosing the right music based on my tastes. Generative AI models are, are generally trained on large data sets and they learn to understand the underlying patterns and structures within the data. So once trained, they can produce new examples that are similar to the data they were exposed to during their training. These models are capable of generating content that didn't exist in the original data set, making them a very powerful tool for creative tasks and content creation. Now at IDverse, we've been doing generative AI for a long time, probably since the start, seven or eight years ago. And we use a technique, a very familiar technique called generative adversarial networks or GANs. And I'm sure a lot of the audience would be familiar with. Now GANs, just to go back to basics, consist of two neural networks, a generator and a discriminator. These are trained together in a competitive manner. The generator creates the synthetic data and the discriminator's task is to differentiate between the real and the generated data. So the competition between the two networks leads to the generation of increasingly realistic content, which we see everywhere in videos, photos, documents, etc. Now, we've trained millions of synthetic and real documents and millions and millions of synthetic faces using these techniques. For us, just to be clear, we only use ethically sourced or fair sourced data for face biometrics, particularly in the training. This refers to the facial recognition data sets collected and used in a manner that upholds strict ethical standards and respects individual privacy, consent, and fairness. Such data is obtained transparently and with informed consent, minimal intrusion, and efforts to mitigate bias. So these measures ensure that the responsible and equitable use of biometric technology. In the context of facial identity verification, training data refers to the specialized data sets of facial images used to train the machine learning algorithm or deep neural networks that are responsible for recognizing and verifying individuals' identities based on their facial features. So it's quite a mouthful. Hopefully that gives you some context, but this is how we look at generative AI in identity verification. Thank you for that introduction. Of course, in one of the products of this type of generative AI, related tools are the deep fakes that we are seeing more often. Sometimes we saw it only for, yeah, let's say celebrities or yeah, the famous people. But now they can be used to attack me or to attack you, actually anybody, right? So tell us how the use of deep fakes are a real threat for both consumers and businesses. Yeah, absolutely. I think 
they are a massive threat is the rise of Gen AI. And you touched on it. Fraudsters use the same, if not better, tech than we do or, or many companies do. And they are very, very good at surging ahead of these technologies and finding ways to create very realistic synthetic identities to both impersonate real people as well as to create brand new identities of people who actually don't even exist in real life. And so while that's exciting as we talk about Web3 and avatars and these opportunities and possibilities, I think both consumers and businesses will continue to fall victim to many of the risks out there unless measures are taken to prevent this. Now, I just want to highlight a couple of examples of these, like disinformation and fake news, right? So creating videos of public figures you can grab or Facebook or YouTube and replicate those and make them do things that they never did. That can be exploited to spread false information. This can incite conflicts and can really manipulate public opinion. For us, we see, and obviously we're very close to and care a lot about frauds and scams. So businesses and consumers, of course, can, in the UK particularly, we have a huge fraud problem and we see a lot of deepfake-based scams. They can impersonate company executives, trusted individuals. They can deceive employees or the customers who can make them reveal sensitive information for financial transactions. We've seen some of that just recently with MGM and the US in this recent breach. We don't know exactly, but we do know somebody, an employee was actually targeted. This can cause things like reputation damage of people, you know, politicians, businesses and people, fake videos and audio can be created to endorse a product or not support it and that can create problems. And of course, the things we care about a lot are identity theft, right? And deepfakes can be used to impersonate individuals leading to identity theft. This may result in unauthorized access to personal data or systems, and of course, manipulation of financial markets, personal bank accounts, breaches of banks. So this can cause big issues like privacy concerns, security threats, and erosion of trust through the wide use of this, and you know, internal security problems for businesses and privacy for people when they're violated and their identities are stolen. So it's very, very important that we understand these threats and start to mitigate and create ways of helping to support and stop these practices. Yeah, indeed. You already have explained some cases in which these, these criminals are, are already targeting the identification system that has been existing in the last years. If we focus on these services that are today and have been protecting us or helping us in identifying people in the last years. So what are these, the biggest pain points of the weaknesses that they are being attacked by, by these criminals? Yeah, look, I mean, there's a lot of weakness in existing systems which can come across in the fact that vendors don't disclose, for example, that they don't use their own technology and they can't always deliver on their promises. So I think a lack of global document coverage, old-style techniques like templating, exclusion like racial bias, gender and age in these poorly designed systems can cause huge problems. And systems that don't have the ability to understand where these attacks are coming from with these synthetic IDs. We create all of our own tech in-house, so we don't use external vendors to drive our fully automated solutions. So we feel pretty confident, in, but there are, as you mentioned, these legacy systems that we've relied on that aren't necessarily up to speed. We've seen from a pain point of view is 
badly trained human spotters in remote locations, for example. So some people in the industry and vendors use those. This can cause slow response times and they can't keep up with the standards and the technology that's being used to identify fraudulent documents and also the biometrics of people that are not real. So it's very difficult for them to keep up. And then we've seen an issue around a lot of bias or differentials in the natural bias that's in previous ID systems designed by traditionally older white male engineers. And that's a problem because these biases are built into these systems. And the humans who are evaluating physical documents, depending on where and how and what, can inflict their own biases on age, gender and race as well. Now, this can slow down experiences for customers as they take a lot longer. And of course, they aren't as accurate. You know, humans can't scale. And so technology can do a lot of that heavy lifting and can solve a lot of that. And you can still have humans for critical tasks, but it's important that you use technology to identify these gaps. In fact, we ran a study a few months ago with an external testing company called Bixie Labs of 1,500 subjects, male, female, and transgender across eight regions in the world for our facial biometrics. And we came back with zero bias on either race or gender, on the facial biometrics. So it's pretty important that businesses start to use and people start to get comfortable with probably the strongest biometric there is for lots of actions that we do take in our everyday lives, whether it's on a personal or work basis. And I think that the other things that are challenging for us in the identity space is we see a lot of unethically sourced-based biometrics, right? And that can refer to the acquisition, usage, or distribution of these that can violate privacy, I mentioned earlier, consent or ethics. And these practices really can result in privacy infringements, discrimination, social harm, and legal issues. And some examples of that are data scraping and profiling, lack of informed consent, data breaches, of course, we've seen that recently and frequently, deep fakes, as we talked about, and manipulation of people, government surveillance, employment discrimination. These are big issues. And I think the lack of unified government standards around these things is also difficult. And it's important that people use the latest technologies like computer vision and generative AI to start to be able to scale and address some of these issues and keep users and businesses safe going forward. But those are definitely some of the issues that we've seen accumulate over the last few years. Yeah, yeah, I can see there are quite a few. And how this more recent generation of identity verification systems that are working together with generative AI. So if you can tell us a bit of the how, how they are different to the previous products and how they are tackling these problems. As I expressed in some of the technologies that we used, I mean, training data for Gen AI, for example, if you think of it, if I can frame it in like nutritional labels like food, right? So you're feeding a machine essentially. And so that training data should come with some sort of nutritional label and to know what the macronutrients will affect performance. So you know, it's important that when using Gen AI, you understand that the nutritional makeup of that training data, supply chain transparency, where do you get that data from, for example. But these techniques are able to detect the proliferation of these fake documents. I think digital identity is becoming more and more, of course, prolific and governments are starting to bring on board connectivity into these digital identity databases that are able to verify customers in a much more robust way than potentially documents were. So I think we'll see that constant trend of digitization of technology, mobile first, wallets, and of course, documentation that will become digital will make life a little bit easier. But in order to protect themselves, consumers and businesses really need to think about 
what they can do to stop and be vigilant, right? So I think consumers need to educate themselves. They need to use things like password protection and protect their devices and beware of things like phishing tactics and social media and email. So we can do as much as we can for businesses, but I think businesses need to invest in these systems because they are stronger, the security measures are stronger, and will help protect them and their customers ultimately. I think the differences that we see, we believe facial biometrics is a very, very strong and has been proven externally through NIST iBeta certification, for example. We have a 99.998 certification of liveness biometrics. I mentioned the inclusion and lack of racial bias. If you want to capture and work with people of all races, all genders, all colors across the world, it's important to use systems that are inclusive. Otherwise, you'll end up discriminating and losing customers. So it is important to make these investments into these systems to help protect your business and help protect the consumers behind that. But ultimately, consumers have to also be educated themselves. They have to think about what they're doing and be aware of things that are out of the ordinary or suspicious, unsolicited requests, for example. And then lastly, I think, you know, government needs to engage in some sort of public dialogue as well to help consumers about understanding what they're doing in these initiatives. And government needs to work with business as well to inform the public about things like biometric technology, ethical implications and why they should be using these. But ultimately, there should be some ethical guidelines and review boards to be able to support the usage of this new technology that's coming at us at such a pace. It's really strong, really powerful and really useful, but there have to be some guardrails around that. And I think it's going to take a collective effort from consumers, businesses and government to get us there. You mentioned, for instance, the liveness detection. That is one of the ways that these identification tools are checking that the person is a real person moving in front of the camera. In terms of the end user, so when the end user is in front of this identity verification system that are based on generative AI, so let's say a user experience is, is similar. Is somehow transparent or, or is different? Yeah, I think, you know, with facial recognition, for example, and the techniques we use in identifying people when they're going through the process of verifying themselves or for account access or re-authentication, no personal data is stored. So, The use of those biometrics is the ability to give people a robust way to prove themselves and their proof of life, if you will, when doing a particular action. And I think what's been missing in the past is people have accepted a document which could or could not belong to that person to be the valid form of identity. The reason why identity documents around the world have been the standard is there was always a picture of your face on that document. So you had a passport or a driver's license. You could see it was you in a sense. So with liveness, people are protected same way as using phones to open up access to your phone and to those systems. But these systems are tested and there is no personal data. People should feel very comfortable that that data that they're using to generate that action is protected and their own in terms of doing that. We're just using technology to be able to verify that that person is live and present and is not a deep fake or is not a synthetic ID. Because what we see a lot is these presentation attacks from people who are using video footage that are grabbed from external sources, for example, to try and fake systems or try and, and trick systems that they are actually live and present. But we are able to detect these digital footprints and be able to detect using multiple techniques on the mobile phone that we build software for that that person is live and present and is presenting the document that they say they are in order to verify themselves. Thank you for explaining better how it works for users. So it's simple for users. It's not more complicated. Simple and seamless and quick as well. It's not more complicated, it's less complicated, in fact. 
right? So when you're presented with it, there has to be a trust, of course, in the environment that you're doing it and providing your face to do that. But ultimately, it's safer and quicker and ultimately more secure than any sort of biometric that they might have used previously. Yeah, it's true. You mentioned uh, also faster sometimes. I think I've been in front of these systems and yeah, you are <laughs> waiting a little bit in front of the camera, right? Until it processes. Yeah. yeah, look, it depends on the speed and the connectivity and the region you're in. And it might be the phone and your mobile network, for example. But we account for all of that in the software that we design in helping people to process that. So we shoot like a live stream video and we take the best shot out of, you know, about 100, 120 frames that we shoot out of that video. It's a very quick two or three second capture. And we're able to compare the best quality face to the document that's presented in this process. Now, we can account for age, facial degradation, loss of hair, glasses, etc., because we are looking at the underlying structure of someone's face when doing that. So we're 3D mapping, essentially, that person's face and are able to then tell against the original document that's presented if that person is the same person. It's very hard to do with humans, for example. And that's why technology can do a lot of this lifting very, very quickly. We can do it in seconds and verify the person against very old, very aged documents or changes to their facial structures. And so we are very excited about how these techniques can verify people to the, the grade that I mentioned before. Yeah, indeed. It sounds like there's a lot of innovation here in what you're talking, you are describing. So what would you say, looking at the future, so what is the future of generative AI in identity verification? We're excited about GenAI's ability to create these huge data sets of synthetic personas because it's going to help prevent fraudsters trying to use the synthetically created people and documents that they create to trick and penetrate low-grade systems. And the more people we can support, the more businesses we can get our technology into, the more we can stop the synthetic IDs and uh, penetration attacks that are happening. And we're seeing the velocity of these increase as we see better and better tools and faster processing time to be able to do this. So the ability to cover the identities of the world's population through technology and create inclusivity for all ethnicities, all genders, means that people can be granted access regardless of where they live, what device they're using, what color they are, what gender they are. So we're very excited about how Gen AI can train and help people this is all ethically sourced data, right? So we didn't go and grab it elsewhere. It's very hard to get in front of tens of millions of faces of variations of age and, again, color, ethnicity, gender, et cetera. So Gen AI really helps us to do that. I think detection tools, so developing and using advanced technology like Gen AI to detect this deep fake content can be crucial to mitigate the potential harmful effects that might come from that. Authentication mechanisms, so implementing strong authentication like facial can help, again, verify the identity of individuals and reduce that risk of impersonation. So trust has to be ensured that it's in place there. And of course, eliminating frauds and scams. So businesses and consumers fall victim to deep fake based scams and others every day. For instance, a scammer can impersonate a company executive, as I said, and deceive employees into revealing sensitive information or maybe making financial transactions. So we want to stop fraud at the door. We want to stop fraud internally, externally, and we want to help protect businesses and their customers, whether they're business or consumers, from the rising threat of what's coming on synthetic identities and the scale of using generative AI at the fraudster level. Sounds good. Final question for all business leaders that are listening to us right now. What is the one actionable idea that they should write on their agendas today? Yeah, look, there are a lot to choose from. I think the one action, in my opinion, maybe is 
you've got to think like we're living in a mobile first world, right? And Gen AI solutions, as we talked about, are surging. So the action I would take is take the time to speak to your fellow executives and to the teams and to the people inside your business and understand how identity is currently viewed in your approach to your people, your processes, your security, your products, and your customers. Where I sit and where we sit is we are seeing the velocity increase of identity usage across the world. Governments are enforcing and implementing more and more identity standards in order to control, obviously, governmental services. And so it's important that people think about identity for their own businesses. It's going to become critical to protect them and their customers. They need to think about everything from employee onboarding, how well you know your employee and your customers. And of course, ultimately, what we're all achieving or trying to achieve in digital is improving user experiences, anything from onboarding to account management to customer services interaction. So it's everything that your customer, your employee might touch within your business potentially has something to do with identity. And the better you know the people in your business and your customers, I think the better positioned you're going to be to be able to not only stop these threats, but take advantage of beating your competition by staying ahead and knowing your customer much better. All right. Thank you very much, Ross, for all this very interesting conversation about how generative AI is going to help us for the identity verification now and in the future. So for the ones listening to us who would like to know more about you or get in touch with you, what are the best ways for that? Yes, thank you again for the time letting me talk about something we, you know, and I am very passionate about and obviously we're very passionate about fraud and particularly technology. If they want to get hold of me, I'm on LinkedIn, Russcon, C-O-H-N, idverse.com has a repository of amazing content and information and thought leadership around a lot of these areas. So please take your time to look across the site. And if you want to get in touch with us, there's lots of ways to do that on the site. So look forward to seeing and speaking with anybody who's interested in learning more about IDverse and about fraud and identity. Perfect. Again, thank you very much, Ross, and all the best. Thank you, Oscar. Appreciate the time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Let's Talk About Digital Identity, produced by UbiSecure. Stay up to date with episode at ubisecure.com slash podcast or join us on Twitter at ubisecure and use the hashtag LTADI. Until next time, 